Welcome back to the Crazy Counselors Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandy Stinson. And I'm your other co-host, Kelly Center. Yes. So, man, it has been a week. Has it not been a week? <laughs> I feel like we say that every week because every week it has been a week. Every so week. Tell the a, truth. Man, listen, these weeks be weekend. Do you hear me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> They do, especially, you know, it's only going to get hectic in a different way, though. Yeah. As the year goes on. Yes, for sure. This is the fun time. You know, my family, we have a group chat for my, the family that lives in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's time. You guys, we do Christmas pajamas every year. So we started doing our vote on the Christmas pajamas. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that time of year. Time to discuss menus and pajamas and all the fun stuff oh that is so cool kelly yeah it is fun you're very blessed to have that i am you know because in arizona you know after graduating high school i moved to arizona and i didn't have any family there and Mm -hmm. so this is the first time that i've lived in a state with you know with family living in the same state like your immediate you know this is my my dad's sister's daughter and her family so it's like Mm -hmm. i grew up her. So this is the first time I've lived in the state with like, you know, f- close families since high school. And it is so wonderful. Yeah. Like I don't ever want to live in a state without family again. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine living. Well, I take that back because I moved to Tallahassee right after high school to go to college and I didn't have family, but I wasn't that far away. Like I don't know how I would do if I lived, I could do it, but I think it would be an adjustment to live somewhere where I would have to jump on a plane to get to my family. Yeah. Yeah. For college, it was a 12 hour drive. So, you know, my first two years, I went home all the time. But after Mm -hmm. that, then it was like, I rarely went home and, you know, I lived in Arizona for 18 years. So you just kind of adjust, but we've been here now since what, 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. And nothing like it like Georgia is my home I don't plan to go back to California so I'm staying here because my family is here (laughs) not going back to Cali no Cali (laughs) right right (laughs) right well gosh let's talk about the week so we are coming off of the heels of rants by Kanye West (laughs) which have been which have sparked a lot of controversy and a lot of criticism, some broken endorsements, some broken deals, some broken records for him because he was a billionaire and he very quickly lost his billionaire status. Very quickly. Very quickly. And the people wanted to write dissertations about Kanye West. And I was like, listen. Over it. Over it. Do you remember oh. Living Color when they used to go, hated it? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's how I felt about all of that. Like, come on, y'all. Yes, for real. That should be a gift that you could put under people's posts <laughs> when they want to make, write dissertations about Kanye West. You know, I walk such a fine line with that because, you know, you want to be sensitive to a person's mental health, right? And at the same time, it's that balance of how far, you know, let a person go before it's like people really stop feeling any sympathy or empathy towards you because at this point you are harming people and 
refusing to get the help that you need, you know? And then absolutely, I agree. But then there's also like, well, where's the line between this is your mental illness and this is just you? Because Mm. let's be real, some people, you know, and I'm not this, I'm not at all diagnosing him, but I'm just saying in general, some people, especially if they have a personality disorder, it's their way of behaving, you Mm. know, it is who they are. And so some of this is like, like the more he's been like, it's this one video where I have to send it to you. It was kind of funny to me mm-hmm. because he's going on about how saying like, well, you know, I can't say anyone's name because then I'll get in trouble. And then he took a pause and then he said the name he wasn't supposed to say. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, oh Lord. You know? It's like, at this point, it's like, you know, you start thinking back to the beginning things, like the warning signs, the yeah. taking the mic from Taylor Swift or even when he first, you know, came out talking about he's the best. And we had that discussion before. It's like, there's a level of genius for sure, undeniable, but there are some things that could be attributed to your mental health and other things that are just you. Right. And I think that I personally feel like a lot of what we've seen this go around is him. It's just him. Wow. That's what I think. Maybe. Do you think it's sprinkled in though with a little bit of the mental illness? Because he could be very well having a, I see Kanye as having manic episodes. Absolutely. Clear. And then, (laughs) yeah, definitely. And then he'll kind of calm down for a while and, or kind of get quiet. So, or maybe his comments are not as offensive, shall Mm -hmm. I say. And so I don't know if that's when he is stabilized. I don't know when that's when he starts to maybe take his medication again. I don't know what happens, but it seems like there's a period where we're, you know, not bracing ourselves for what he's going to say next. And then he it starts all over again where he's mm-hmm. saying things that are offensive. So I don't know what happens in those periods where he's quiet, but it's, Definitely just strikes me as there are definitely periods of manic episodes that he has. For sure. Gosh, it just really makes it difficult for himself and for the people around him because it sounds like he's not willing to. I've heard him say that he doesn't like to take his medicine because it interferes with his genius. Like he can't, it slows down his thinking or something like that. And he doesn't feel like he can create. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the argument too. It's like, you know, some people will say that with, you know, so many other people that we can name and talk about who they said had mental health issues Mm -hmm. and, you know, the things that they create are genius. And that's some of what we would even hear what his mother would say talking about him as well, that it's like, you know, and here's the other thing that I think we have to consider is that we're not in Kanye's everyday life. We only see when maybe he decides to, you know, have these, what we call episodes, right? Mm -hmm. But who knows how he is on a day to day, Mm -hmm. you know, or who, I think those people, you know, his family, you know, his ex-wife, you know, those people are going to be the ones that really can tell you, you know, when and where this switch happens or, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's him and when it's, you know, when this is just who he is and he's playing to the media or whatever else or when it is uh, a manic episode, you know? And there's so many other factors that can contribute to that. Like, you know, what is actually happening with his business? There could be things that people are saying to him that do really trigger him. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the foods that you eat. Sometimes it's death anniversary. It can be anything. We're not in his life, yeah. so we don't know. We just see the fallout of it, you know? Yeah. And I think the most important thing and why there's been so much chatter about it is because now we're seeing how 
some of this, you know, fallout obviously has impacted him, but it, you know, some people will argue that it impacts the Black race as a whole. It impacts the music industry. It impacts artists that have been under him. It impacts people he employed. Like, you know, well, because he goes after those people though. Like, of course it impacts them because he attacks every single one of them on these verbal tirades that he has. You know, he goes off like nobody is safe when Kanye decides that he wants to air people out. And not only forget, yeah, you said, like you said, nobody is safe. But the thing that gets me, I don't know if you, I think I had to stop following him on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, but I think I have to stop following him on Instagram because this man will seriously screenshot text messages and post text messages. Wow. He does it all the time. So whatever you text him, just know he will call you out and he will post your text message to him. Wow. Yeah. See, I don't follow him on Twitter. Oh, I don't no. believe I follow him on Twitter. I don't follow him on Instagram because I just can't. Like, it just becomes too much. So. Yeah. So that, I think that's why I unfollowed him. But Twitter transition is a whole nother conversation yes i mean there's been so much we got twitter we have the backlash with Kyrie. yes you know and just really and i say i feel like that's almost connected with kanye because that started the whole jewish anti-semitic conversation black people how we see ourselves in this country it's just been this ongoing conversation in the middle of elections In the middle of elections, it has definitely been a lot. I do follow Elon Musk on Twitter, and I started following him before I think I realized just how much people actually do not like him. And so I started following him, it had to be maybe a couple years ago. And I feel like over time, though, over the last few, maybe the couple of years that I followed him, that his tweets have gradually gotten to where they are now. And I was telling my mom the other day, I said, you know, I feel like Elon Musk is trying to run Twitter like it's death row records or (laughs) like he's Donald Trump. And I'm like, this is Twitter. Like, what are you doing? You know, but the scary part is that I feel like our democracy and our freedom of speech and the things that we hold near and dear are slowly being eroded like it's slowly going away and you know people are now threatening to leave Twitter I saw that Whoopi Goldberg said that she was leaving Twitter and I've just heard a lot of people say like yeah I'm getting off Twitter because of some of the things that Elon says and changes that he wants to make and and you know, for me, if it allowed, ever, too, mm-hmm. like the things that have been allowed too, things that have been allowed, it's just kind of becoming a lot. And for me, social media should be a safe space. It should be somewhere I can go for entertainment. And if Twitter is not that, then now granted, Twitter is ghetto at times, but if it's going to be a place that's going to be like death row records or like we're all at Donald Trump's house, mm-hmm. I am out of there with the quickness, yeah. period. Yeah. You know, I have one for sure. I think two clients that were impacted, you know, one was let go before the official takeover and I think mm-hmm. the one was let go after, but even talking, you know, about how that whole thing is going with the, you know, lay- laying off so many people and, you know, a lot of the racial hate things that are happening. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. It's definitely a lot. And Georgia is at the center again of 
it's in the eye of the election. I was like, I wish that we could have a new election, but I'm going to admit something here. Like, I don't deal well with elections, especially the, okay, so after the 2016 elections, I was like, oh my gosh, because I went to sleep thinking Donald Trump will never be president. And I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and he was like accepting his presidency. And I was like, what happened? So I get anxiety around elections, like watching the results. I feel like the whole process of watching the numbers is so anxiety ridden, like the music, the colors, the, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just the like- chart. They have the big, yeah, the chart. the electoral college and- Yes. And then it's like, the music is like, dun, 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 breaking news. You know what I mean? It is all yeah. anxiety provoking. Why do they do this to us? So I literally was watching reruns of Living Single last night because it was the only channel, one of the only channels that did not have any election coverage at all for hours. And so, again, here we are in the middle of the, you know, the eye of the nation as we're headed towards a runoff. And I'm just like, man, I just don't know what's happening to our democracy. And it's scary. Yeah. Very scary. I remember that election too. It's so funny because my son, I remember, I don't know how old he was. I won't try to do the quick math, but I remember him like watching YouTube videos and whoever he would follow. And he was showed me this one video that predicted soup before it even got down to the wire. Cause he was asleep obviously at that time, but predicted that Donald Trump was going to win. Oh, I think it was like before the even before the election, you know, it was just while they were still having their debates and stuff, but it, they, projected that he would win because he was approaching this like a reality TV show mm. and that we are all caught up in this reality show. And the way they broke it down, I was like, dang, that does make sense. So then mm. to see that unfold right before our eyes was kind of crazy. And then I don't know if you remember or if you watched at the time, but Scandal, they were had some things going on. The show Scandal had some mm-hmm. things going on with their characters that were very similar to what was happening in real life. They have a character that could, you know, be assumed to be Donald Trump and stuff. And I remember looking at some interviews and they said that they had to start changing their script so that people didn't think that they were writing their script based on what was actually happening. Because it was just so like, you know, far-fetched, like this would never happen. Oh my God, this is happening. This is happening. And even now in the wake of it, here we are again. It's like, he's the big bad wolf waiting in the background. Is he going to announce his presidency? It depends on, you know, who takes the, you know, Senate and all that, because they're saying that he may again run for presidency. Right. I wonder what Stacey Abrams is going to do now. I really hope, I really want Stacey to run for president. I feel like the governor's office is, it just can't contain her brilliance, honestly. I think that she deserves more than Georgia. And I think that she has the ability to run the nation. And so even I was, you know, last night as I was thinking back, I was like, oh man, you know, she didn't get it for a second time. Um, Yeah. By it seems like even a wider margin than the first time. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I just started thinking about it and I'm like, she should totally announce that she's running for president. I don't know what she's going to do next, but Stacey, if you're listening, run for president, babe. Like, why not? 
<laughs> I really want her to run for president. I think that she could do it. So yeah, you know, it's kind of like how they say, oh. like sometimes a no is because you're dreaming too small. That's what I feel for Stacey. I think she deserves so much more than Georgia. Yeah, Georgia's too small for her. Yeah, she is. You know, loved if you will by more than her reach does go beyond Georgia for sure. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Do you know? I don't know when's the I I haven't looked at all. You know, my day's been pretty busy, so I haven't looked since this morning. But do you know where we are with the Senate seats? So and... they're projecting a, a runoff. So we'll vote again on December sixth. Okay. Yes. You know, my, my son, this was his first time being eligible for to vote. And I was hounding him about it, like sending him the links, like you're registered, you know, here, pull up the ballot and having right. him do research and stuff. And I wanted him to early vote because I know it can be very discouraging to go the day, you know, on the day of election day because the lines are long and whatever. So I wanted him to go vote early. And he went like an hour before his polling site closed. So thank God he voted. And, you know, I think he must have registered as independent because he had some things on his ballot that I didn't have. But it was funny. We were kind of talking about it. And he said, he's like, I don't understand why Herschel Walker is even up for, you know, election, like like why he's even, you know, up in this election when it sounds like he should be in prison for all the things that he's done. Right. It was interesting just hearing a young voter, you know, you know, when you're young and it's just interesting hearing their perspective sometimes. The right fresh minds and the fresh energy and all that well kudos to you for encouraging him to vote and kudos to your son for actually yeah caring enough to use his voice this was a big election and i, I wanted him to do that for sure i tell him you don't have to tell me who you voted for that's your personal business right <laughs> like but you better not right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we are approaching the holidays. First of all, we've got to carry on this election talk and more calls about who to vote for and more commercials about yes. Senator Warnock and Herschel yeah. Walker yeah. all through the holidays. So we're quickly approaching Thanksgiving. It's so hard to believe that Thanksgiving is literally two weeks. Was it three weeks? Two, girl. Two. Two. Oh, my gosh. Two weeks away. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Are you ready for Thanksgiving, Kelly? I'm getting ready. And, you know, what's helping me kind of look at that is scheduling clients. And I'm like, well, I have to keep in mind that because I usually I will work up into the day and the day after. But I'm right. like, people are going to want you to cook like family's going to want me to cook and do all this other stuff. And so I always book clients and then I'm like, oh, why did I do that? So I'm trying to be better this year. And I think I'm going to like stack my Monday and Tuesday and take the rest of the week so that I can be available. Although I really, so I think I'm trying to wrap my mind around, okay, what things do I need to cook and Christmas, you know, what am I going to do? Right. Who's, you know, all that stuff. So I'm trying to shift my mind there. The pajama conversation is helping me to do so. Right. Right. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. We're taking a vacation the leading up to Thanksgiving. So my mind is kind of there. Nice. A family vacation? Yeah. Family vacation. Yeah. 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 Leading up to Thanksgiving. You know, this time of year is kind of interesting because my grandmother passed away in 2001 on my sister's birthday, which is this month. 
and right before Thanksgiving. So there's, you know, just the time that we just kind of reflect on her and her life and how funny she was and all of the above. And of course, it's bittersweet because we wish that she was still here. And then you roll around to, you know, Christmas time, which is, you know, again, back to back and some losses there as well. So it's just, I feel like the holidays are just bittersweet. And then it's also a time where people often reflect on what they don't have, you know, whether it's a family or, you know, couple may reflect on the fact that they don't have kids to spend, you know, money, you know, buying presents and the whole Santa Claus thing. And Mm -hmm. so... I don't know. I think as I've gotten older, I have mixed feelings about holidays. I mean, I think that they're awesome for, you know, what they're worth, but they also can bring some pain, right? If we're honest at Mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah, they absolutely do. I think even as your, you know, kids get older, you know, my, I know how I was in college. You don't always want to go home. You want to go hang out with your friends. And it does. I think, you know what, I've been kind of challenging my clients because this time of year, we always start talking about things like goal setting, reflection and all that is to your very point is taking stock of, you know, what things have gone well, you know, like more of a attitude of gratitude and then where you want to be. Like you don't, if it's going to make you feel a certain way, you know, being home, you know, travel. Some people are choosing to travel, you know, to not have to be at home or be faced with the fact that they're alone. You know, you think about the actual day, like Thanksgiving day or Christmas day, it's pretty quiet in the world. Like even just going out and driving, you know, it's pretty quiet and that can be sombering, you know, it can make you feel a little sad unless your life is just so hectic that you look forward to that, you know, peace and quiet. So I think a part of self-care around this time of year is for sure to, you know, think about how you want to feel when you wake up on that day, you know, down to, I mean, I remember some years when I was in Arizona and my dad and brothers might come visit me. And we decided sometimes that we didn't want the fuss with cooking. So we were going to go to a restaurant, which is like totally not in the norm, you know, for our families right. too. But like, well, we don't want to be stressed and we want to enjoy the day. And, you know, they just want to watch football or do whatever. So think about what's going to make you feel the best and, you know, right. put yourself in a situation and environment that allows for that. Right. Right. For sure. It's so interesting how like growing up as kids, I feel like we saw Christmas and Thanksgiving like through a different lens, you know, like there was just always this hype and this excitement. One of my friends posted something on Instagram that said, man, I wish that Christmas felt as an adult the way that it did when I was a child. And I was like, oh, that's just so nostalgic, you know, like that would be amazing, but amazing. I think there was just this bliss that came from ignorance, right? As kids, because we were so young and innocent and not exposed to so much of the ills of the world at that point, you know? And But now, I think as adults, when we look at holidays, we do realize like, man, not everybody has a family to spend, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving with or man, I've had a few losses of my own that I have to navigate for the first time or Mm-hmm. for the 10th time yeah. this year and recognizing when you feel uh, triggered and being prepared for those triggers. One of the things that has come right on time is I've talked in previous episodes about going to my first grief group Yeah, last year, last summer, uh, 2021. And me and some of the other members of the group 
you know, we stayed in contact. And so recently we decided to meet up and to, you know, get together. We haven't seen each other since the group ended. And it's right on time because it's literally going to be like right before Thanksgiving. And I feel like that's right on time because Thanksgiving or just holidays in general trigger the memories of those losses, even if those losses didn't occur around the time of the holiday. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. I think, you know, as you were talking about growing up, you know, I'm like smiling so big because I immediately think about being a kid and how that felt and, and, you know, going to my grandmother's house and, you know, all my cousins and dad's siblings. And it was just so much fun, you know, and just the jokes and things that come from it, you know, things that we still laugh about. And, you know, we've tried to recreate that with our little family that's here. So it's always nice to go over there. But I think too, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have any of the work. You just wake up and have fun as an adult. Like I have to help cook. You know, that's how I feel. I'm like, man, but I have to, my cousin starts calling like, are you going to come over and help cook? Are you going to come over and wrap the presents? I'm like, like, why can't I just show up Christmas day and get my gifts? Right. (laughs) I was a kid, but yeah, it was so much fun. And I think as a parent, when my son was smaller, there was a joy because it was, you know, recreating that for him you know, to see him get up and be excited and, you know, have the, all the presents be in a theme, a color theme to match the tree, all that, blah, blah, blah. But then when he gets older and doesn't care anymore about middle school, they stop caring. (laughs) Then we started to give back though. We started to volunteer and make it like, let's have the first part of our day where we're with our family and we're doing something, you know, fun or maybe early in the morning, but then we go and give back for that very reason. Because especially when we were in Arizona, it was just us because there are people that don't have family that are, you know, the homeless. We would volunteer with the Salvation Army to do feeds on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And even here with my gym, we do that every Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we have a workout, of course, the day of the holiday, early morning at like six in the morning, so people can get back to their families. But after we do our workout, we usually feed the homeless every Saturday, a group of people who wants to go, but we go out and give food on Thanksgiving day and Christmas day too. So that has become something that I've adopted and enjoy doing for that reason, because people don't have family. And it's a day that even if you can kind of forget about it, you know, any other day, you know, the day of, you're always going to think about your family and it's usually a down day for people. So try to do that. I was just going to say, what better way to do that than to be able to give back and focus on something or some greater cause outside of, you know, yourself and to give hope. Yeah. You like we're giving a couple hope. A couple of hours. And, you know, by the time we get back to our family, they're barely getting up to make Christmas breakfast, you know? Right. So you right. still have your whole day with your family, but you can, you know, at least feel like you've done something for someone else. Nice. What would you recommend for people sitting with the grief of so many things, or not just grief, it could be anger, it could be loneliness, it could be depression, it could be anxiety, it could be so many things, because I feel like the holidays bring up all of the things for some reason, so. they do, especially, you know, I was going to say too, I think Thanksgiving and Christmas of thanks of 2020, I had COVID scares, so I was alone. Like literally, because it was, you know, remember that time of the year, we still didn't know people were dying left and right. It was still the original strain. And I remember like crying 
So my son was at his dad's. So we didn't do the Mm -hmm. typical family stuff. I had to make some like bootleg Thanksgiving dinner for myself. And even though I talked to all my family, we had our little Zooms, you know, then on Christmas, like my son left the presents on like my back porch. Oh, I'm gonna cry. And then I had to like leave theirs and like lie saw them, you know, ahead of time and like saw them through the window. It was horrible. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. And I was so alone and so lonely, even though I had these, you know, phones and I was, you know, on the phone and with people all day, it was just so horrible and so lonely. And of course, you know, then you are reminded of your, the deaths and the family members that we lost and everyone that gets on the phone wants to talk about that. Like 2020 Thanksgiving day and Christmas day, I was crying. Yeah. Wow. But your question was about hope, right? (laughs) Well, that's, Interesting because (laughs) Christmas and New Year's of 2021, I literally came out of quarantine New Year's Day, but I was a part of the Omicron strand that that Mm. swept through. So you remember the Omarion, the Omarion, as we were talking, me and Omarion, we were chilling for for (laughs) Christmas 2021, and that time it was just so strange because I was like, yes, I've made it this far without getting COVID. And I was being a city girl and I went to two Christmas parties in one night and something just told me, like, I don't know if it was my intuition, but I just felt like I probably have COVID. I probably have contracted COVID somewhere because that was a bit too risky. And sure enough, I didn't even feel sick. I just was like, let me take a COVID test before I go home for Christmas because I was going to go home early that week and spend the entire week. And lo and behold, I tested positive and I almost fell out of the chair. You would have thought that the nurse told me like some other news, like we got to put your arm off. Right. Because I was like, what? No, I had this dramatic meltdown. (laughs) And she was like, yes, I'm so sorry. I was like, no. No, this can't be. Are you sure? You sure you didn't get my test mixed up with somebody else's? I just did not want to believe it. And so I spent Christmas and New Year's alone because I contracted COVID days before Christmas. So I had to wait out the 10 days at the time it was a 10 day quarantine. But Mm -hmm. like you to my to your point, the worst part about having COVID for me, because I feel like I was fairly asymptomatic. I mean, I had some nasal stuff, but it was spending it alone. It was not fun. And that's what I, like, once I got over it, and that's what I told people, like, I don't want COVID again, period. But the main reason is because I do not want to be alone. Like, that. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a difference when you take time to be alone because you just want to get away from people. Like, don't talk to me. I'm tired of y'all. Go do something else <laughs> besides mm-hmm. bother me. But when you are actually forced to be by yourself and quarantine and people have to drop stuff off on your porch, like, mm-hmm. it's a bit much. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I feel like, you know, now, you know, hopefully it just, it seems like, you know, and I'm, I mean, I guess I can only speak from my personal experience and my little sphere here, you know, in each state, I'm sure is different, but it seems like it's people aren't having those reactions now. I think mm-hmm. more people are vaccinated. So even if someone has it, it's kind of like, oh, just wear your mask, Lysol, you'll be fine, mm-hmm. you know? So it doesn't seem like it's so bad, like it was like, you know, 
2020 and 2021, we were like, am I going to die? Like, you know, right. You didn't know. Being alone, right. Right. You just, you never know. I think that was the other part that yeah. was scary was not knowing like if you were going to like what end of it you were going to end up on. Sure. Like, am I going to be somebody who like my story is that it started out as sniffles and then it ended up with me on a ventilator. Right. Is it going to be, it started out as sniffles and ended with sniffles. Like, I don't know what yeah. end of the spectrum I'm going to be on with this thing. Yeah. So the uncertainty of it was definitely a lot to yeah. deal with. And maybe that's what made it heavier too, because you are faced with your own, like, you know, it's something that we live with every day. We know that we're going to die. It's this whole looming thing that we just try not to think about, because if not, it would be kind of bleak to always be like, oh, one day I'm going to die. But then you're in a moment when you're faced with a deadly disease, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, but what if I die? And then you start thinking about death and the end of life and family members. That It just starts this whole trickle down effect right. of, you know, your own mortality, which right. is, you know, that's something that came up for me this week because I was thinking about like when takeoff passed away yeah. and I was like, why did that like, cause that really bothered me. And I was like, why am I so like, uh, obviously you feel very empathetic when people like pass away mm -hmm. and you feel sad and you're like, man, like I hate that was just such a senseless tragedy that didn't have to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think that what I've learned about myself is deaths that, especially when it comes to celebrity deaths that really cause me to think about mortality, they just kind of hit different. And I think we all think about mortality on some level, mm -hmm. but when I really have to think about that, and it was kind of the same thing with Kobe Bryant, because I think that we saw Kobe Bryant as this larger than life person, like this superhero with this super ability, you know, great character, like he just was not supposed to die. And chat with uh, Bozeman, you know, we're coming up on, you know, Black Panther too. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, so many emotions around that and just feeling like he just was a superhero that was not supposed to die. It just was not mm -hmm. his time. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Migos fan, like, period. Like, you yeah. know, if my ratchet side, it comes out. <laughs> like, I love Migos. Like, they have shaped, I feel like they shaped so much of Atlanta culture. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm just like, man, it just was not his time. And I think it just speaks to just the uncertainty and, that at some point we do have to face our own mortality. And sure. for me, that's something that even as a therapist, uh, but more so as a person, it's still hard to wrap my head around just that thin line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of, of yeah. here today, gone tomorrow like that. And how much we don't think about it. We just literally have the blessing of almost ignorance. Like we just go through life and we don't think about it. You know, we go through the day and we plan for tomorrow and we plan what we're going to cook for Thanksgiving and who's bringing the yams. And you know what I mean? We don't think about it until we have to think about it. Yeah. You know, and I think because imagine thinking about it every day. I have some clients who do think about it every day. So, you know, yeah. you think about people who either have a, you know, deal with suicidal thoughts or things. So they think about it that way. Or you think about people who, you know, have lost everyone. And like, I think even about my mom who she's, you know, lost her sisters and her mom, and she's literally like alone in California. So you think about that. She thinks about it all the time. You think about your own death, yeah. you know, so in just different tragedies and things that happen, but I think focusing on, you know, it's like, if you think about some negative or bad thing. I think it also has to do with how you view death. 
And I, you know, I had to kind of reconcile that. And I think we all, you know, have to find our peace with that. And mm -hmm. I think it's different at different stages. And then when you actually go through it, you know, kind of that changes things too. I think that's why, you know, some people cling to a higher faith, you know, that some people get peace from their thoughts about the afterlife. And I mm -hmm. think one of the things that becomes so heavy and weighty with death is because as much as we may speculate, mm -hmm. we don't really know. Yeah. Like I have my faith, right? I have my belief that I cling to, that I wholeheartedly 100% believe, you know, as far as what happens when you pass away and when you die and, you know, all of that. But it's still that little sliver of like, but no one really knows. Like yeah. you don't know. So I think the weight of that, like imagine every day thinking, is this going to be the day? That's it's a lot. That, I mean, it, that in itself would put you in a depressive mode. And then, you know, you might not live and enjoy the day. Right. You're right. You know, and I've heard people, you know, talk about, you know, is it like, you know, would you live differently if you knew when you were going to die? Or would you mm. want to know, you know, and some people say, oh, yeah, they would want to know. And others, you know, say they wouldn't like maybe if I knew then I would, you know, we would attend to goals more. We would maybe be more productive, you know, if we knew when we were going to pass. But you know, I don't know. I think, but again, I think the weight of it is just the unknown, the uncertainty yeah. of it all makes it a little scary. Yeah, it does. But in thinking about what you just said about the question of, would you live differently if you knew the day? And this is just my opinion. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's almost like maybe we're better off. Like maybe we're better off not knowing because then it forces you to think about living each day as if it's your last, you know, people always say live each day as if it could be your last or follow your dreams, like do what makes you happy, especially everything we've seen in the last two years, people are really trying to like seize the day, you know? Yeah, sure. And so I wonder if like, if we knew, if we would just kind of become so obsessed with it that we almost wouldn't, it would have the opposite effect. Like we almost wouldn't seize the day or do these extravagant things because it may be like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the yeah. other part of it. So I think almost, I think it's almost like a blessing that we don't know because we can sit and say, you know, I don't know what end of the spectrum I'm on now, but I do know that I want to leave everything that I have. I want to leave it all out on the court, meaning I always say, I don't want to die empty. I don't want any of my gifts or talents to, I mean, you I do, do want to die empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I got that mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> I do want to die empty, meaning that I don't want to withhold any of my gifts or talents within me that I could have offered the world. I want to give everything that I have, everything that my higher power or God deposited in me. I want to pour every last drop of it out. It's almost like squeezing a, a wet rag, like until yeah. there's just no drop left. And that's when I can take my final breath. But yeah. I don't want anything left within no gifts, no talent, nothing that I could have, that I was put on this earth to give the world. I don't want any of that left in me because I was too scared to pour it out. You get what I'm saying? 100%. Like, I just want to give it all I got because I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's the, like, I think that's the struggle, the turmoil sometimes that people go through. I know that I even struggle with sometimes it's like, I feel the same way. Right. But then, then life happens and then, you know, life starts lifing, you know, and you, and you have a bad day. And sometimes it's hard to see, to keep that perspective when it's like, you know, keeping a larger picture perspective, 
but also being focused on the task that's in front of me, right? So let me keep this in mind and let me, you know, also be mindful or be present in the moment, spend time with my family, but realize like there's this clock and I don't know where it's at and it's ticking, you know? Yeah. And I think I probably mentioned this before because I love like the Hamilton play, but you know, they talk about- You do love the Hamilton play. I I do, I talk about it. But uh, one of the, you know, characters that they were talking about and how he- was like writing like he was, and they said he was writing like he was running out of time because he didn't know when he was going to die. And I think that's the, you know, the balancing act that we have. Like, I think about that every day. Like, you know, you get fearful, right? So bringing it back to, you know, you and I and everybody else who might be listening, it's like, we get fearful of like these big things that we want to accomplish and we feel like we're not good enough and we feel like, oh, well, I don't have the resources or how can I do this huge thing? But then it's like, well, I don't want to, you know, like to me, one of my biggest fears is dying and not having accomplished certain things that I know I'm to accomplish here. That is like, mm-hmm. that's it for me. It's like, okay, I've, I've procreated. I have my child. I, you know, did these other things. I have my little check marks, but there are some things that I know that I still have to do. And it almost gives me anxiety when I focus on it. So I don't try to focus on it too much because sometimes anxiety can be paralyzing and it causes you to not move forward because it's like, I want to die empty. I don't want to die without accomplishing these things. And I don't know how much time I have left. And sometimes that can be so weighty, you know? Yeah. It can be weighty for sure. I think think, about like, I was just going to say, I think as we talk about honoring, you know, maybe people that have gone on people who have passed away during the holidays. I was thinking about my grandmother and for anyone who's listening, who may be navigating that space of grief around someone that you love, maybe a way to hold space for that grief and for yourself is to honor the things that they deposited in you, you know, like me wanting to, you know, give everything that I have is because my grandmother poured that into me. Like she always told me how smart I was, you know, that I was going to be successful. Like she always told me those things. Like she believed in me so much. I mean, my mom believes in me. Like my mom believes that I have superpowers and I can do anything really. And she is such an extension of what my grandmother deposited. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my grandmother saw me. She really saw me. She really saw what God put in me. And as I reflect on, you know, her life and her death, as we're coming up on the anniversary and we're coming up on the holiday, I found a way to honor her by being thankful. Like you said about, you know, the things that she gave me that Mm -hmm have allowed me to be successful and the things that have allowed me to have a relationship with God and to have by you know have certain principles and morals and values and things like that and so that has been my way to navigate the grief is to turn it into a way to honor her and to be thankful like gratitude for yeah. the fact that she's not here physically but I get the honor and the privilege of living out what she spoke over me, you know, I'm still here to live that out, you know? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I concur. I think, you know, I always look to celebrate people's lives, you know, whether it's, you know, around the holidays, we try to do certain dishes, you know, that become staples, obviously, because they were what a certain family member always contributed, or, you know, we do things like that. We sit around and crack jokes and, you know, talk about the funny moments and, you know, times we had with them and, and do things like that to kind of celebrate that memory too. 
you know, some, we do maybe balloon releases and things around birthdays, but I think some people, my brother has started a, he has a, an ofrenda that he has for he and his daughter where he has like this little, and my cousin, one of my cousins has one too. They have like pictures of the relatives that, you know, have passed just to be mindful. And, you know, I'm not building an altar. I'm not doing that. But one thing that (laughs) I, that I was like, what I would do is I realized that I don't have many pictures of them alive. Like I have a little place where I have some of their ashes and things like that. But I think it's important too, like we think about, you know, telling your history and retelling Mm -hmm. your family story and how those things get passed down generations. Like I think about being at my grandmother's house and there would be pictures up, you know, family pictures. And I'd be like, oh, grandma, who's this? And she would tell me who uh, one of her aunts are, you know, mm-hmm. tell me about her dad. And so that did make me, you know, just keep in mind that I need to do that. That's a way of honoring too. just mm-hmm. having their pictures up, you know, and that they were here, they lived, you know, they meant yeah. something to me and to other people. And, you know, and when people come by, they can see their pictures and, and maybe ask who that is. And right. I get to, you know, talk about that again. So just ways to celebrate and remember and express love and gratitude for their life. Yeah. Is, is, you know, always a holidays are a good reminder to me to do those things and to be thankful for what you do have and who you do have, whether that's friends that become family and, you know, because, Sometimes we're, you know, we can become so focused on what we don't have. Like we've been talking about that you don't take stock in what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanksgiving is the perfect time to do that. For sure. Sure. Well, next week we are going to continue our conversation around navigating difficult emotions during the holidays and talking about how to maintain gratefulness and also at the same time, hold space for yourself and how to hold space for others as they are navigating difficult emotions or challenging emotions during the holidays. So thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you next week.